The New York Giants reportedly have Duke quarterback Daniel Jones at the top of their big board and are considering taking him at number six. (laughs) They are also reportedly considering a pass rusher at number six and will address the quarterback later. (laughs) Did you hear that? Oh, that's every Giants fan collectively banging their head against the wall. And Kawhi, take it away. (laughs) Welcome back to another edition of Prem Brulee, the number one podcast in your headphones. Don't ever get it twisted. Don't ever play yourselves. And without delay, let's get to Yafam or not. Yafam or not to the Oakland Raiders GM, Mike Mayock, and head coach John Gruden sending their scouts home for the weekend because they, quote, don't know who to trust and wanted to clear the room, end quote. This is a report by Ian Rappaport. Big deal or not, first of all, huge deal that this is happening. This is not normal to send people whose job it is to scout prospects in the main event of their whole year, the NFL draft, to send them home is a very enormous deal. That being said, kind of a yeah fam. I like the move. Wow. Have you ever seen the draft room that they show on television broadcasts? How many freaking people are in there? You can only imagine how many voices are going on in there and how many conflicting opinions there are making selections. Now, this comes with a caveat. Mike and John, this draft is solely on you you fuck up it's your ass now the cojones on them to send their whole staff home i'm guessing is a john gruden move you only do that when you have a 10-year contract that's that big cojone energy we'll see how it how it pans out the raiders are not short of picks they have three first round picks of course we all know that in this upcoming draft so we'll see how they do next up on yeah Famer nah The NBA playoffs, first round. I am a big, fat, giant nod of this. First of all, only one of the eight series made it to 2-2 in each of the series' first four games. That is, of course, the Spurs versus Nuggets. The two four versus five matchups were total competitive disasters for the NBA. The Celtics-Pacers... Pacers are totally overmatched, and the Rockets-Jazz just looks like a tune-up for the Rockets in preparation for the Warriors. The ratings are down, so NBA nerds, analytics nerds that watch every single minute of every game, including Orlando Magic games, (laughs) you might be watching, but the general public is not. Numbers do not lie. Also, another thing I meant to address... All you fucking LeBron James haters, this one's for you. You fucking played yourself a little early here. How about you never play yourself if you think LeGod James missing the playoffs and the ratings going down is just a coincidence? You think we give a shit about the playoffs when the best player in the world, that's right, I said it, don't ever have a list talking about best players in the world that doesn't include LeBron James. You guys got it twisted this year because he was a little bit injured. Fucking playing yourselves out here doubting LeGod James like this. And then you see. Because he gets an early offseason, nobody's fucking tuning into these garbage shit shows. Wow. 
Anyway, any chance I can get to address you LeBron haters, need to check you. Not keeping that same energy when he's putting up big numbers. This time last year he's dragging a sorry-ass Cavs team to the NBA Finals through an Eastern Conference that all of a sudden's really good, but... Heavy alert. Heavy alert. Heavy alert. More on that a little later. Last but not least, on Yaf for this episode is the 2019 NFL schedule release. So, before I get give you my take on the schedule release, a couple of notes about the 2019 schedule. Of course, the one everybody brought up were that the Raiders and Buccaneers have each have stretches of 49 days where they don't have home games. So the Oakland Raiders, Oakland for not too much longer, play the Chiefs at home on September 15th. They then do not play another game at the Oakland Coliseum until November 3rd. During that time, they play at Minnesota, at Indianapolis, in Green Bay, Houston, and then they face the Chicago Bears in London. They then get the bye week after the trip to London before finally playing the Lions at home on November 3rd. Before I get any further, what the fuck is the NFL doing not giving the Raiders and Bears a chance to have Khalil Mack come back to Oakland? A pseudo home game for the Raiders against the Bears, of all people, in London. So we get stripped from a very, I'm sure, warm welcome by Oakland faithful to Khalil Mack. Kind of dropped the ball on that one. Just like the Raiders, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they play the Giants at home on September 22nd. They then don't play another home game until they host the Cardinals on November 10th. In between that, they play the Rams in L.A., New Orleans, Tennessee, Seattle, and the Carolina Panthers in London. So, of course, they get the bye week after that. Another thing to note uh, that you'll probably see going forward in this football season, because it's the NFL's 100th season, it has added an NFL 100 game of the week. So throughout the season, in order to provide, according to its news release, quote, a nod to, to a momentous game played, a fierce rivalry that spans decades, a matchup of original teams, and or a game in which history was made, end quote. So you're going to see games designated as the NFL 100 game of the week. Probably going to be old school rivalries or uh, notable games of the past with the current teams. So that will be something interesting to take part in. And probably something we'll question along the way why certain matchups are considered the NFL 100 game of the week and others aren't. As for what everybody wants to know, primetime games... This se- this coming season, every single one of the 32 teams got at least one primetime game except for the Buffalo Bills. I don't think I need to really expand on that. That joke writes itself. One of those teams that all of a sudden went from every week of being in the 1 o'clock Eastern time slot to now having four, yes, four primetime games is the Cleveland Browns. Good for you, Cleveland. I can't imagine how rowdy the dog pound's going to get when they get all day to get heavily lubricated with adult beverages. 
Another crazy thing to note about this year's schedule is that the New York Jets never have to travel out of the Eastern time zone. Their furthest trip west is to Cincinnati, which if you don't have to be a geography expert to know that Cincinnati, Ohio is not very west in the continental United States. So the Jets never have to go outside of their time zone. The teams they would play outside of their time zone come to them. So good for them. Okay, after all that being said, nah. Let's fucking play. I don't care about a fucking schedule release. It doesn't really do it for me. They build it up. Some people eat it up, love to analyze which opponents are played where. I don't give a fuck because we can base things off of last year, but half the divisions in football have a trend where the la- the team that finished first this past season in 2018 will finish near the bottom of their division in 2019. I couldn't give two shits about it right now. I understand why probably Bucks and Raiders fans are upset, but I'm not either one of those. Yeah, you can sound it. Whatever. Heavy alert. Heavy alert. Heavy alert. I'm a nod of this. Let's get to the fall we're actually playing. I don't give a shit about analyzing a damn schedule right now when we don't know shit about teams yet. Give me the NFL draft over an NFL schedule release. Give me NFL free agency, even NFL training camp over all this. But good on the NFL. They just claim every month of the year, it seems now. Maybe if LeBron James was in the fucking playoffs, we wouldn't pay as much attention to it. But Okay, time for likey, no likey, hate it. The things I liked, didn't like, and absolutely despised from this week in sports. My first likey goes to Nuggets guard Jamal Murray. So Murray wore a homage t-shirt with his own face and Nikola Jokic's face on it. They do these NBA Jam t-shirts featuring two star players of each team. Uh, Murray wore it at a post-game press conference. Then TNT's Charles Barkley said, Jamal Murray, quote, can't wear his own picture, end quote. So then, Jamal Murray, the next game, showed up wearing Chuck's picture on a t-shirt. Sound that alarm, that beautiful, beautiful alarm. Heavy alert, heavy alert, heavy alert. Jamal, your permission to join Team Petty is granted with flying colors. I love it. Heavy alert, heavy alert, heavy alert. My next likey goes to this Ben Simmons-Jared Dudley saga in the Sixers-Nets series in the opening round. Listen, I'm fucking here for it. Who knew Jared Dudley was Team Patrick Beverly over here? The first round of these playoffs need everything they can get, and thankfully for Jared Dudley, he kept that petty energy and kept us tuned into that series. Meanwhile, you have Joel Embiid throwing elbows, claiming he's going for the ball when kind of sus, Joel. So this all started when Jared Dudley called Simmons an average half-court player. And then Ben Simmons proceeded to go for 31 points in their Game 3 victory, using every chance he got to troll Dudley during the game. Yes, Ben, you can have an alert to go. Heavy alert. Heavy alert. Heavy alert. Ben Simmons... Your permission to join Team Petty is declined. Petty alert. And I'll tell you why. Ben Simmons claimed he didn't pay attention to Dudley's comments. 
when he clearly did and was keeping that petty energy during the game. Own your petty, Ben. Then you can join us. But until then, declined. (laughs) You'll have to settle for just an alert. My no likey goes to Ohio State's likely would-have-been backup quarterback, Matthew Baldwin, announcing his entry into the transfer portal, the famed transfer portal of college football and college collegiate athletics. So Baldwin was competing with highly touted transfer Justin Fields for the starting quarterback role of the Ohio State Buckeyes. New head coach Ryan Day had not yet named a starter officially. That included after uh, spring practice concluded. But Baldwin is choosing to move on from the program. Okay, so I know no likey seems like I'm being a hater. but And I know this decision was completely within his right. And obviously he decided that it was the best decision for he and his family. But at the very least, he was going to be one play away from being in the game, being the quarterback for for the Ohio State Buckeyes. One bad play by Justin Fields, one injury away, what have you. Now he'll be starting at a new program, and that includes after spring practices have already concluded. He'll be joining them in the fall, expected to learn a playbook and try to compete for a job. He's basically starting over. The Ohio State University quarterback room is already thin. It will be even thinner now, which makes it an even more curious decision. Ohio State will reportedly be looking into the transfer portal themselves to try to get uh, more depth in their QB room. But I'm a no likey to this. Usually I'm pro any player transferring. Baldwin must have known something else. Maybe recruits coming in next year. But I don't really like the wave of an unknown quarterback position. Yes, Justin Fields is one of the most talented recruits to come in. But he's still young, learning a brand new system. Who's to say it would have worked out perfectly? Being one play away from being starting quarterback is much different than situations of other quarterbacks, such as former Ohio State quarterback Joe Burrow. His eligibility was running out, hadn't had an opportunity to start, lost a job to Dwayne Haskins, so his transfer was welcomed by Buckeye Nation. This one's a little bit different of one, so... It's kind of a curious decision. Baldwin's competed before, including in high school, sat behind who would become Baylor's quarterback and waited to play his senior year, got recruited. So it's worked out for him in the past. Um, Maybe he just reached his wit's end. So it's a shame to see it happen, but I'm a no-likey to an Ohio State quarterback room getting even thinner now in what would have been a guaranteed at least backup role disappearing. As promised, I told you I'd get to this. My hate it for the episode. We're just going to sit here and act like if LeBron hadn't have left the East, it'd even be this competitive. Everybody's talking about how the Eastern Conference and the NBA is so competitive this year. Any team could win. The talent is so spread out. LeBron James leaves the East. All of a sudden, it's super competitive. Fuck out of here. Lagarde is your daddy's, and y'all just got the house left to yourselves on some blank check movie type shit. Don't ever play yourself. 
The Eastern Conference is competitive because a one Mr. LeBron the Goat James is now in the Western Conference and had to fuck around with the dysfunctional Lakers team that was constructed incorrectly. And y'all want to hate on him like he's not the best right now. Miss me with that bullshit Kevin Durant snake talk or whoever the house you think is in the top tier of NBA players. LeBron James is the GOAT, and there's no greater indication than all of a sudden this Eastern Conference being competitive. You already know Toronto. LeBron's your dad. You're just lucky he's not in the same conference as you. LeBron took that sorry-ass Cavs team and beat these same fucking squads last year. Forget the fact Toronto has Kawhi Leonard. It doesn't fucking matter. You're going to tell me LeBron James wouldn't have made the East his bitch just like every other year? I mean, get the fuck out of here. Eastern Conference weak as shit. It's just all a facade right now. But enjoy. Petty alert. Enjoy whatever team getting through losing those fucking snakes again. Petty alert. It's a good thing they this ring won't count anyway. Petty. Sound that shit. Petty alert. Petty alert. Petty alert. Fucking Eastern Conference competitive. The fuck out of here. Now time for you played yourself. For once I didn't save all the spicy just for you played yourself. But first up in my favorite category is the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz forced James Harden to 3 of 20 shooting, including just 2 of 13 from 3-point range in Game 3 of the opening round of the NBA playoffs. But yet, they still lost to the Rockets. Yeah, Kawhi, you could take that one. <laughs> Next up, you played yourself goes to the New York Yankees medical and training staff. So... Their star player, Aaron Judge, just became the 13th Yankees player to hit the injured list. He is the 14th overall this season, joining left fielder Giancarlo Stanton, center fielder Aaron Hicks, catcher Gary Sanchez, shortstop Didi Gregorius, third baseman Miguel Andujar, and first baseman Greg Bird. According to ESPN, those six and Judge accounted for 175 of the Yankees' record 267 homers last year. Those seven accounted for 515 of the Yankees' 851 runs last year and 515 of their 821 RBIs. In addition to those guys, their new shortstop, Troy Tulowitzki, has a strained left calf as well. I mean, are we to think this is just a coincidence or are we actually going to start questioning them? Is this just bad luck? It doesn't matter. I'll sound this alert. Petty alert, petty alert, petty alert. I'm petty as they come. Yankees, medical and training staff, you played yourself. Lucky for them, they're surviving and have a favorable schedule, but they're going to need to get healthy pretty quick here. Next up on You Played Yourself is Buffalo Wild Wings. They tweeted the following. Congrats on your first ever series win, Columbus. That's got to take the sting out of Urban leaving. And End tweet. Number one, how dare you? First of all, B-Dub started in Columbus, and you're ripping the Blue Jackets? Second of all, your wings ain't shit. Go Jackets, go hockey. The next you played yourself goes to the Phoenix Suns. This is a multi-parter. They just fired their head coach after just one season to pursue Monty Williams, whom other teams are after as well. But according to The Athletic, their preference would be to draft Murray State's Ja Morant over Zion Williamson. 
This is exactly why bad teams stay bad. You take an easy decision, and you take it, and you fuck it up. There's no doubt in my mind Zion is the number one pick for whichever team wins the draft lottery. It doesn't fucking matter how your roster is made up currently. Zion is that good with that much potential that you take him no matter what. No matter fucking what. Phoenix, you do not deserve the number one pick. You can get John Morant just as easily if you get two. I hope they don't fucking win the lottery. Or maybe teams do because they'll have a chance at Zion still. And last but not least, my favorite person to put in this section, Kevin, snakiest of all snakes, Durant. After the Warriors' fantastic blowing of a 3-1, I mean 31-point lead to the Clippers in Game 2 of their series, and before Game 3 of their series, Durant was asked about Patrick Beverly. Quote, I'm not going to get in the way of the game because I want to have a little back and forth with Patrick Beverly. I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. Then, if you watched the clip, Kevin Durant proceeded to tell us about Patrick Beverly's defense and also appealed to the refs to, quote, let us play. Then, he compared he and Beverly to David and Goliath. That's a lot of time spent on someone you're not really going to get into it with. You're Kevin Durant. You know who I am. Yeah, you're damn right I do. You're a fucking snake that cares what people think, Mr. Burner account. (laughs) You know who I am. Yeah, the fuck we do. That's why we know you give a shit about Patrick Beverly. (laughs) Also, shout out to the refs for not listening and hitting both of them with fouls real early in game three. Also, shout out to the fact that Kevin Durant has zero rings. Yes, sounded. Heavy alert. Heavy alert. Heavy alert. That's a fact. <laughs> As for who you got and what you feeling, last episode I made my picks for the opening round of the NBA playoffs, uh, who I thought would win in how many games. Obviously, the jury is still out on those, so we'll wait to recap them when all series are done. But this week... You didn't think I was going to leave an episode without talking NFL Draft. The exciting time, basically the unofficial start of football season and everybody's hype trains. Before I started to get going on some picks regarding the NFL Draft, I wanted to discuss a NFL trade that just occurred that impacts the draft directly. The Seahawks traded... Star defensive end Frank Clark to the Chiefs in exchange for a 2019 first-round pick, a 2020 second-round pick, and a swap of third-round picks in this year's draft. So the Kansas City Chiefs earlier this offseason had traded former defensive end D. Ford to the 49ers in exchange for a 2020 second-round pick. Um, in next year's draft, if you're keeping track, they gained a pick and lost a second-round pick next year. So they'll get to keep the better of two second-round picks next year. So the worst of the two second-round picks between theirs and the one they acquired from San Francisco will go to Seattle. So they'll still wind up with one second-round pick. They'll just get the better of the two. I'm guessing it'll be San Francisco's. The Seahawks, if you're keeping track, will now pick at number 21 and 29 in the first round of the 2019 NFL Draft. So hence why it impacts them, and it's a big offseason move. The Chiefs turned around and gave 
uh, Frank Clark a half million dollars more than Demarcus Lawrence got, um, with sixty-three and a half million dollars of a guaranteed, which is a million and a half less than Demarcus Lawrence. But I'll just sip my tea and sound that petty alert. Petty alert! Petty alert! Petty alert! Anyway, want to do a f- few picks and a few things to keep in mind heading into the NFL draft. So what everybody wants to know, the number one pick in the 2019 NFL draft should be Nick Bosa. Don't play yourself, Cardinals, and fall into the trap of Kyler Murray. Now, I'm not saying it won't happen, but if the Cardinals are wise, they will stick with Josh Rosen, believe in the evaluation of their scouts and team and acquisitions and get an elite defensive player on the edge who will likely be better even than his older brother, Joey. Don't play yourselves, Arizona. That number one pick in the NFL draft should be Nick Bosa. I could see it, Bosa going two if the Cardinals mistakenly take Kyler Murray at one. With what I just said, who is the first quarterback taken in the NFL draft? That would be a one Dwayne Cannon for an arm Haskins. If... You need the spelling. That would be H-A-S-K, the number one N-S. That number one stands for the best quarterback in this draft class. Do not play yourselves. Keeping with the theme of quarterbacks, how many quarterbacks are taken in round one? Obviously, the two ones everybody knows are Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray. They, of course, I think will go in round one. I'm going to go with three quarterbacks get taken in round one. You take your pick between the drop-off of quarterbacks, probably likely between Drew Locke of Missouri and Daniel Jones of Duke. Already addressed the Giants, maybe playing themselves with Jones. So look out for maybe a third quarterback. If there's a fourth quarterback taken, you will know that two of those guys were reaches. And someone in the second round is going to get very nice first-round talent on day two of the draft. A fun one I thought of was a name to keep an eye on, a first-round prospect that I think isn't getting as much love as he should or isn't talked about as much. My pick for that is former five-star prospect from the University of Houston, Ed Oliver. So if you're keeping track, Ed Oliver is one of the most highly touted potential prospects. People were talking about him sitting out a year to prepare for the draft that he would likely get taken early. He had a weird, odd season this past year at Houston. But the thing everybody is forgetting, Oliver's dominant under the person who recruited him, Tom Herman, but he was totally used incorrectly at Houston. He will benefit greatly from playing outside shoulder on a guard. Very Aaron Donald-like, not saying he's that good, but he has potential. He's undersized, but uses every bit of his size inside and just dominates on the line. Ed Oliver would be a fantastic pick. If he slips down in that lower top 10, that'd be a tremendous value. But don't be surprised to see him go early either. And then a little picking beyond the first round. I wanted to give you number one listeners the position I think... If you're a fan of a team that your team should not reach for. And this one in particular is very easy for me. 
and I'll be able to give you two position groups. The two position groups I feel, if you're a fan of a team that your team should not reach for, are running back and wide receiver. Not to say prospects aren't good in either position group, although in running back, I especially don't think anybody's worth a first-round pick. That includes the two Alabama running backs. But I think the gap in talent and ability and potential in those two position groups is very similar for the ones projected in round one as the guys you can get in day two, in round two and three. You can get a very similar caliber guy at running back or wide receiver in round two or round three as you could reaching for someone who's projected in round one. Running back especially, I'm not sold on the top receivers that are being touted as first-round picks. Maybe it's my bias, my Buckeye bias, knowing there's three great Buckeye wide receivers sitting there for day two picks, maybe even day three picks for Johnny Dixon. So those are the two position groups not worth a first-round investment necessarily if I'm a fan of a team. As for what I'm feeling this week, right on cue, the NFL Draft, one of my favorite events, Um, one of those goofy dudes that sits there and watches as names scroll by, I love it, eat it up, spend hours of my weekend doing this. And, of course, Avengers Endgame. I'm feeling, can't wait to see it. You know, I like to end episodes here. My too much sense. This week, I wanted to talk about difficult conversations. Difficult conversations flat out suck to have. We all know it. It's okay to be scared of them, but... It is not okay to skip them. Letting things be swept under the rug isn't good for you and isn't good for the person on the other end of the difficult conversation. Rip it off like a band-aid and know things will get better eventually, but they're important to have. It's a difficult conversation for a reason. If it were easy, it wouldn't be worth having. And that's going to wrap up another edition of the number one podcast in your headphones. That is Prem Brulee of the Play Call Network. I've been your host, Premobot. I appreciate you tuning in. As always, please subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the other Play Call Network podcasts that are all fantastic. Please rate and review. I would greatly appreciate it. Love the feedback. I appreciate you number one listeners of this number one podcast in your headphones. And we will talk to you next time.